It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. This is Cork Today. Cork Today with Patricia Messenger on C103. And a very good Tuesday morning to you as we welcome you along to the programme. And it's always the same after a bank holiday weekend. You always seem to be a day uh, behind yourself. You keep thinking this Monday, oh no, it's actually Tuesday. I know even last night sitting down and watching TV, I was thinking, Sunday, oh no, it's Monday. <laughs> so it's kind of one of those things after a bank holiday weekend. So we hope you had a lovely, lovely weekend. Nice and restful and peaceful. Maybe you got out and about and uh, got to travel around a bit and did your social distancing and wearing your masks and all of that. John Paul and Sadie are taking your calls. If there's anything you want to share with us about an event over the weekend or anything that's on your mind at the moment or something you want to get off your chest, 1850 333 103. You can also text or WhatsApp 086 to 103 103. And I can already see some texts uh, coming in about uh, the late John Hume. And wasn't it with great sadness that we heard the news of the passing of a real giant in this country, uh, John Hume and President Michael D. Higgins leading the tributes to John Hume, saying that we should all be deeply grateful for the personal bravery and leadership that the former SDLP leader showed to bring about peace in Northern Ireland. And President Higgins said John Hume transformed and remodelled politics in this country. And he was informed by his steadfast belief in the principles and the values of genuine democracy. And he stood by that always. He says there is a greatness about his political life in what he did and what he helped to do. The President said, I'd put him in the same breath as Parnell and Daniel O'Connell. And yeah, and I would have to agree. And even with his passing, I was thinking, you know, he's up there with the real greats of the world. He's up there with the likes of Nelson Mandela, Martin Luther King, Gandhi, that you could speak about all of those people and put John Hume up there and use and speak about him in the same way that you would about all of those at world leaders. The newspapers today has so many tributes and people talking about John Hume. Many of the papers have like pull out specials just on John Hume, which I think would be fantastic comfort uh, to his family but there's just so much written about John Hume in the papers uh, today. Uh, Back to though President Higgins, he was among a number of other Irish and international political figures to pay their respects to John Hume or 
current Taoiseach Micheál Martin said John Hume was a great hero and a, a true peacemaker. Micheál Martin said for over four decades he was a passionate advocate for a generous outward looking and all encompassing con- concept of nationalism and republicanism. He said for him the purpose of politics was to bring people together not to split them apart. Goodness knows there's a lot of people today in politics could learn from that. Uh, Micheál Martin said that John Hume kept hope alive during, parliament, during paramilitary terrorism and sectarian strife. The Thornish de Leo Varadkar said John Hume had left a legacy of peace, progress and stability. He said his unique ability to bring people together to embrace and respect each other's differences without being consumed by them, made him one of the most transformational figures to ever live north or south of the border. And then the former British Prime Minister, Tony Blair, and of course Tony Blair was in Number 10 Downing Street when the Good Friday Agreement was signed, so he would have worked very closely with John Hume. He said John Hume was a political titan. He said he was a visionary who refused to believe the future had to be the same as the past. His contribution to peace in Northern Ireland, he said, was epic and he will rightly be remembered for him. Tony Blair uh, also added in any place, in any party, anywhere, he would have stood tall. It was good fortune, though, that he was born on the island of Ireland. The former US Senator George Mitchell, who also would have worked very closely with John Hume and he chaired the talks that ultimately led to the signing of the Good Friday Agreement. He described John Hume as a fearless leader, but he also, I thought it was really sweet, described him as a dear friend. He said John Hume was one of the greatest persons in Irish history. He was an advocate for and an architect of peace. He was rightly recognised as a fearless leader who devoted his life to the cause of peace in Northern Ireland. And then the U2 frontman Bono, also a long-time friend of John Hume, described him as the greatest servant leader of them all. The former Taoiseach John Bruton said of John Hume he was the pivotal figure of the 20th century in the development of thinking about Ireland's future. He said he reframed the problem from being one about who held sovereignty over land to being one about people and how they related to one another. And then the SDLP leader, Colm Eastwood, he said John Hume was 20th century Ireland's most significant political figure. He said it's no exaggeration to say that now lives in the Ireland Hume imagined, an island at peace and free to decide its own destiny. And that's what each and every one of us now lives in this, the Ireland that John Hume uh, imagined. And I heard over the weekend from a number of sources out of Derry about John Hume and how John Hume loved Derry and how the people of Derry loved John Hume. And as many people know, uh, John Hume in the last number of years suffered with dementia and because of that he had to step out completely from political life. But his family were very open in talking about John's dementia and you know letting everybody know that, that this is what's going on for John Hume now. And because of that, everybody in Derry knew that John Hume was suffering from dementia and he had lived for many of the years with dementia at home with his wife Pat. It's only in the last I think, number of months that he ended up in uh, the nursing home where he passed away at the weekend. But even though he was battling dementia, he loved to go for walks, but he loved to go for very long walks 
around his beloved city of Derry. And as, of course, with anybody suffering with dementia, he might get a bit confused and he might get a bit disorientated and he might get a bit lost. But Pat and the rest of the Hume family never had anything to worry about because the people of Derry kept a lookout for John. And when John was out on one of his many, many walks, Many, many times people would fall into step with him and just have a chat and just to see that he was okay. And if he appeared okay, they left they left him off. But if he was found, for example, sitting, say, on a park bench or if he was found in an area of the city that he wouldn't have been often seen in, somebody would go over to him, would either sit on the bench with him or would walk with him and would walk home with him and make sure that he was home safe. And I saw one uh, journalist tweet about that and talking about that and talking about how that so many people have told the story of walking John Hume home and are just walking behind him and making sure that he got home OK. And one journalist, you know, wrote about he had he had looked after the people of Derry for so long and now in his latter years it was our turn to look after him. And I just thought it was such a lovely thing for the people of Derry to be able to do for at one of their own. And some of your texts coming into the programme. Andy in Newmarket says on John Hume's passing, Ireland has lost a patriot, a politician supreme and a beacon. While we mourn his passing, let us remember the lasting legacy of peace in Northern Ireland that this great man has left us. May he rest in peace. That's from Andy in Newmarket. Thanks for that, Andy. And uh, Michael in Castletown Bear has sent in Uh, lovely, lovely words, uh, Michael, to say hi, Patricia. Today, the winds of sadness blows across the green fields of Ireland with its lakes and rivers as it mourns the passing of John Hume, especially his beloved city of Derry. The Nobel Peace Prize winner devoted his life to peace, a peace caressed by his wife Pat, like the breezes caressed the trees. He was driven by one thing, a passion for peace. He hated violence, He resented violence. He spelt out the grotesqueness of violence and what the IRA were doing. Let nobody ever be in any doubt, but it was the Hume-Adams dialogue together with the IRA was the footprint for the Good Friday Agreement. The amount of lives he saved is immense. As he once said, people can come out of prisons but people can never come back out of the graves. I wonder what certain Sunday newspaper revisionists will have to say, seeing as how they castigated him for talking to Gerry Adams and for helping get Republicans over the ceasefire line in 1994. John Hume was a beacon of light during Ireland's darkest, darkest times. He was a man of peace and he was a defender of democracy, a rarity. May he rest in peace. Amen. And that's Michael Castanbear. Well well put together, uh, Michael. And you're right, he was castigated for talking to Gerry Adams and other members of the IRA. And actually, I saw Gerry Adams being interviewed on the news and his memories of John Hume. And, and he did say that they met many, many times in, in secret and they met many more times than people actually knew about. But it was because of those meetings and it was because of those talks between Jerry Adams and John Hume that we finally got the Good Friday Agreement. And we can all be thankful for those great men and women who all played their part in signing off on that Good Friday Agreement. And as Michael said, we can't count the number of lives that have been saved uh, because of it. So we extend our deepest, deepest sympathies to Pat Hume and the rest of the family, because while this country mourns, you know, 
they're mourning a husband and a father and a much loved family member so it's the late John Hume may he rest in peace there's some calls in this morning from some of our listeners in the Churchtown area saying they've no water now we're got onto Irish water they say they are aware of the outage and they're investigating the matter because they don't quite know why they're having an outage I'm assuming it's some kind of a burst but just to let people in the Churchtown area know that Irish Water are aware that you are without water. We did have an email in from Irish Water to say that due to the ESB carrying out works, there'll be no water at Drum Deer Group Water in Donnerill today and tomorrow, the 4th and the 5th of August, between nine and half five each day. So it's off as we speak until half five this afternoon, but it'll be the same tomorrow. That's people who get their water from the Drum Deer Group Water in Donnerill, Irish Water, Cook County Council, apologising for any inconvenience caused. Also, the traffic delays that you were hearing so much about on the breakfast show this morning with Simon, they, re- they remain on the N25. It's due to the diesel truck which caught fire earlier this morning. The delays, I'm told, are beyond Carrick Tuhill, heading towards the city. And as a result of diversions, traffic remains uh, heavy in that area, in the area of Carrick Tool and Glanthorn. So I suppose if you have a trip planned, I would be delaying that trip, maybe put it off for another day or maybe wait until this afternoon because that's going to take quite some time for that, back, that backlog to uh, to clear. We are going to be talking about the pubs and we're going to talk with publicans on the programme in a couple of minutes. But couples who had weddings planned could be facing in for some bad news when the government are expected to leave in place the strict rules on indoor gathering. It is hoped that the indoor events, things like weddings, christenings, other kind of parties and celebrations would be eased to allow up to 100 people to attend. And it had been hoped that that would be put in place from next Monday, the 10th of August. However, senior government sources are saying that the current COVID-19 rules, which are of course, in place at the moment is only allowing for 50 people to attend indoor events like at weddings, likely to remain in place because, of course, we know there are concerns over a rise of clusters and there are clusters that are coming from indoor events. Now, the outdoor gatherings, that's expected to be eased, the rules around that. At the moment, they stand at 200. It is expected from next Monday. That will be allowed go to 500 people can attend an event outdoor. So that's obviously going to be all of your sporting events. That'll be good news for the GAA and League of Ireland at matches. Now, the ministers are expected to put pressure on the Taoiseach Micheál Martin today to allow pubs to reopen. Now, everyone's accepting if pubs do reopen next Monday, they will reopen under strict new rules. And if they are going to reopen, then please... The decision has to be made so the publicans can put in place whatever these strict new rules and guidelines are going to be because then we will now have less than a week if the announcement is made today. A senior minister said that the general consensus within Cabinet is that pubs should be allowed to open. One government minister says, is it not better to have lads, there can be lassies as well, by the way, having the few pints in a controlled environment as opposed to sheds, she beans and house parties. And so the one government source said a decision on pubs will have to be teased out by everybody around the cabinet table today. And it is expected that that debate is going to be a lengthy discussion because the priority remains 
and has been for quite some time to get the schools opened. But rural pubs have been putting the case forward for why rural pubs should be allowed to reopen. Now, it is also not expected that nightclubs will be allowed to reopen on August 10th. I think that at this stage that that is a given. We're not going to see the reopening of nightclubs. There is concern about the rising number of new cases also the rate of community transmission. However, the majority of cases so far, particularly the spike in cases that we saw over the last five to seven days, they can be linked to clusters in enclosed settings. Yesterday, we had Neffert telling us 46 new cases of COVID-19. Now, we have had a steady stream of days with no deaths, which is great, because while the cases are rising, the deaths are not, which which is terrific, but also what's not rising is the number of people going into hospitals. We have very few people now in hospital with COVID-19 and we have, it's down in single figures, the number of people that are in intensive care. So that is all really good news. So even though cases are rising, luckily we're not seeing a corresponding spike in the number of people going into hospital. So the people that are getting the COVID-19, as we know from the figures, are under 45 and in many cases they're in the early 30s so there are younger people getting it who are not getting as sick with it because we know it's the older people are the ones are people with underlying health conditions we really have to stop them from getting it so the numbers are rising but we're not seeing a spike in hospitals. So that's trying to take some good news from it. The Taoiseach Micheál Martin has given a cautious approach to the easing of restrictions since he took office. And of course, he was the the Taoiseach that postponed the reopening of the pubs about three weeks ago now. Ministers in Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael, though, are eager to find a solution, particularly to try to allow smaller pubs to open. So it's going to be really tricky. That's why I, I... think it's right when it's reported that there's going to be very lengthy discussions today. I don't know how are they going to select what is a smaller pub? How are they going to police it to make sure that the, the smaller pubs can open? Will it be the publicans themselves are going to have to make sure that everybody's social distance inside in it and they're going to have to keep the numbers down. It's going to be a really, really tricky one. The Licensed Vintners Association, now they're the group that that represent the pubs in Dublin, they are obviously calling on the government to allow the pubs to open. But they're saying if you're not going to allow the pubs to open, then you're going to have to put a meaningful compensation package in place. You know, they're talking about 50,000 people who work in the industry and pubs all over the country can't be left in limbo any longer. The decision has to be made one way or the other. But it was also in, I was also really interested to hear that Dr. Jack Lambert, Dr. Jack Lambert is an infectious disease specialist at Dublin's Martyr Hospital. He wants everyone to realise, not that we need to be told, but it is true, we are still here in Ireland fighting a health emergency and he feels that leadership is what is needed. And he came out on the weekend on something that a number of our listeners spoke about on this programme last Thursday and Friday. He says, this is no time for the government to be going on holidays for six weeks. He says, this is a public health emergency. He said, all TDs and ministers need to put 100% into fighting COVID-19. He said, this is not the time for a long holiday. And he says, OK, they may need a holiday. Give them a two week break. So take two weeks. And then he said, come back with a plan. He said, this country needs strong leadership right now. And he's come out very publicly against because there's been, as I say, a lot of our listeners were very annoyed when we were talking about the fact that last Thursday, the doll shut down for six weeks and they're off on six weeks holidays, even though the 
TDs themselves will say, well, we're not on holidays. It's just the doll won't be sitting for six weeks. But here's Dr. Jack Lambert, an infectious disease specialist, saying this is not the time to be shutting the doll down for six weeks. We need strong leadership. 1850 John Paul and Sadie are taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Or today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850 333 103. Now, as we've already mentioned, today is the day that the Cabinet are meeting and will decide on whether the country can move to phase four of the easing of restrictions following advice that they will receive from the National Public Health Emergency Team. Vintners all over the country are on tenderhooks, waiting to hear if they will be allowed to reopen or not. Joining me from the Cork Vintners Federation of Ireland uh, once again is Michael O'Donovan. Good morning to you, Michael. Good morning, Patricia. Now, Michael, if you get the go ahead, then you reopen next Monday or August the 10th. The obvious question is, is that very little time? Well, uh, Patricia, I suppose we're in a situation now. It's it's deja vu again for us this week because three weeks ago, uh, I think I spoke to you on that week as well. Um, it's been very difficult uh, in, our, in the fact we don't know whether to order stock. Three weeks ago, lots of uh, my colleagues brought the staff back, brought them off the payment, uh, the unemployment payment scheme and brought them back onto their books. Um, and it's been a really stressful time. Some to this day, still have been paying staff for the last three weeks their wages, even though their bar doors are closed. Um, and as you can imagine, that is a costly uh, procedure. Um, it's been really difficult to switch people back from the, say, the, the temporary wage support scheme to the pandemic unemployment scheme uh, once you take them off that and take them back on your books. So some have, uh, have been unable to get it switched back by revenue. So it's a costly scheme. Also, the fact of stock having to be ordered in. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a difficult one because it's, it's really taking a gamble. And here we are again this week in the same scenario. And like it's, it's, it's really unfair, I think, now that they're, they're treating us kind of as the, the guinea pigs for society in that we're, uh, they're keeping us closed. So people kind of toe the line when it's, it's not working across the country as we see it from all these... Uh, parties in Kilkee at the weekend. We saw it up in Mayo. We Cove here in Cork. Uh, young people are still out, uh, you know, socialising, and I suppose they're not following social distancing guidelines. Where, as we've been saying, I think for the last three months, uh, if they open the pubs, um, people will go into the pubs. Look, there's guidelines there, um, and like the pubs are, are a far safer place for people to go and uh, I suppose socially interact because we will keep the social distancing. And we'll implement it. And like the Gardaí at the moment have over 18,000 inspections carried out across the country in the pubs that are opened. And like it's a little over 50 pubs that have been found in breach. And, you know, there's been files sent to the DPP on it. So like it's a very small number when you consider the amount of um, inspections that have been carried out. The pub industry is one of the most highly uh, I suppose, regulated industries in the country. So we're well used to following guidelines and whatever guidelines the government do issue for us, we'll, we'll do our very best to follow them to get our pubs open. Yeah, and have a lot of publicans also already invested in getting the premises ready? Oh yes, like I'd say there isn't a pub across, like, speaking personally, we've, we've painted the place, we've put, down new, we've put in new toilets, we've, um, we've, um, we've put down new floors, we have we've bought perspex, but look, we 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 don't know yet until we get our final guidelines what to do with the perspex. So like, 
we don't know how to set the pub up yet, but um, but we are we're all I suppose in the boat of we're, we're all ready to go. We just don't know how to finish the job, if you mm. know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, so, like, yeah. Did it worry you though when you started to see the rise in the number of COVID nineteen positive cases day on day across last week? Absolutely. Look, we were kind of told that there'd be a five day running average. That's what Neffet, um, as I talk to you now, I believe Neffet have just gone into the meeting at half past ten. Um, I think that will be the key to our, um, the key decision makers for us really opening today. Um, uh, look, they've said all along that the cases need to be low. It's been really worrying the last five days. The cases have been, you know, 40, 50 cases daily. But the one thing that I will say, uh, Patricia, is today, like, there's 40% of the pubs opened across the country and not one case yeah. has been traced back to a pub yet because absolutely the, the vast majority are following the guidelines. Yes, there are some that are breaking it, and look, we would appeal to those publicans to please follow the guidelines because uh, the publicans that aren't following the guidelines are really causing the rest of the pubs to stay closed. Um, so we would appeal to all the guidelines are there for a reason, for a purpose, and we need to follow the guidelines in order that we can show that there is no cases, we're following the guidelines, and to get the rest of our pubs open. There was a call last week, Michael, for smaller bars. This is allowing the pubs reopen next Monday, that they be allowed to have their customers sit up at the counter yes. to have a pint. Would you, if it is, if you do get the go-ahead, would you like that to be included? Well, we would, uh, Patricia. Look, Like I said, the, the, the 60% of pubs that are still closed are the smaller family pubs that don't do food. And like the majority, like all those pubs, the heartbeat of the bar is the bar counter. Now we accept there will have to be social distancing, people will have to sit on a stool at the bar counter. But if if a stranger comes in to any bar across County Cork or Cork City or wherever it is in the country, the first thing they do is go to the bar counter. If there's a stool there, they'll sit down and they'll, converse with the with the bar person behind the bar. It's just our culture, it's it's inherent to, to us as publicans and I suppose to the customers that come into us. So the bar counter is a is a really important aspect of our of our premises. And look, I suppose we've been closed for five months and if they take the bar counter out of our bars, um it will be really difficult for a lot of the bars because in, in, in Ireland Look, historically, a lot of the bars are, are older bars and the design of them are kind of longer, narrower bars in a lot of instances. Now, topography of all bars are slightly different, but the majority of them would be longer, narrow bars. And mm. if you take the, like I can personally say, in, in my instance, uh, we'd lose over 20% of our capacity if we had to lose the, the bar counter. People sitting so, up at the bar, yeah. Yeah, and like if... Um, if, if if we're look restricted as it is to the one or two metres and then lose another 20% on top, it will be viably very, very difficult for a lot of the bars to even operate. Are you fearful that some pubs, Michael, may never reopen again? Well, I, I think today is a, is a crucial day for a lot. Um, Patricia, I had, look, I, I had a publican on the phone to me yesterday crying on the phone to me. Um, and he's he's a rural publican, um, and like he is alone on his bar, the, the people might not be aware, but the 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 freezing of the bar of all loans really. <clears throat> but I I can only talk about bar loans. It ends on the thirty first of August. So, as he said, if he can't open next Monday on the tenth of August, when his loan will kick in on the first of September, 
he'll have no money to meet the loan. And like as he said, if his capacity, even if we get open on the end of August, if they move us from the 10th of August to the end of August, he said, it's probably the end for me. And like that must be reiterated uh, numerous times around the country. So like a lot of publicans, it's a very stressful day for a lot of them waiting for their fate to be decided and look we can't control it which i think is even more difficult and like for 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 people like that man it's a very very difficult day today yeah and there will be if you do get the go-ahead there will be the start-up grants yes the, the start-up grant has been uh, i suppose issued now to to most of uh, um uh, the trades around the country pubs it has been issued to the vast majority of them but like that money has been poured in to get the the, the premises ready, like buying perspex, you know, sanitising units, like, they don't come cheap, I can assure you. Um, and, like, the start-up grant, like, I'll be honest, we've spent multiples of the start-up grant uh, to try and get open, and, 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 like, the bigger venues will have spent a lot, an awful lot more than what the start-up grant um, gave you. Yes, it's a help, don't get me wrong, but it, it, it doesn't meet all the requirements that you need to get open. So, like, uh, the start-up grant, while it was appreciated it didn't cover all the costs involved getting open. Okay, so Michael, how confident are you that you'll get the go-ahead today? Well, look, Patricia, I suppose um, at best it's 50-50, unfortunately. Um, look, we're, we're really hopeful today, but I suppose we have to be realistic. We've been emphasising, I suppose, on airways and I suppose to our local TDs to feed it back that the pub is the far... As I said, these house parties that are going on, there's shibines being built all over the country. And, like, the pub is the safest place. And, like, as I said, today, you know, there's been no instances coming from a pub. So, like, if they give us the go-ahead, we will please it. We will do the guidelines. And we will make sure people will come out and enjoy their night. Because that's an important aspect of life as well in, in rural Ireland, but all over Ireland, to get people out and socialising. Yes, they'll have to keep their um, social distance, but look, we we need to be given the chance to prove we can do it, um, because at the moment it's it's very difficult sitting with our doors closed and like seeing all these house parties and the numbers rise, and look, we're the only real industry that's, you know, big industry, I suppose, that's left, that's not open, and we can't open to prove ourselves. Okay, we will. Have you any idea on when a timing for the announcement today. I know the NEFID meeting, as you say, is at half ten. The cabinet yeah. then will meet. Um, well, we're we're told either half past two or half past four. They they didn't even know yesterday. I think the exact time of because they didn't know how long the NEFID meeting will run on this morning. So I suppose look, we'd be expecting it. To, uh, I suppose information to come out five six o'clock this evening. Hopefully. Yeah, because there's a lot of talk that the cabinet meeting is going to be quite lengthy because you're going to have a lot of people arguing for and against. Yes. It will, so it'll be a lengthy meeting. But I, I quite think that um, whatever Neffet decide after this morning's meeting, I think the they'll cabinet, go with. Yeah, the cabinet haven't gone against anything Neffet really has recommended so far. I can't see, I can't see the cabinet going against uh, whatever Neffet will write to the cabinet, which 
uh, after this morning's okay. meeting. All right, we will wait and see and we will speak again, Michael, in the meantime. Thank you for that. Thank and you. Uh, look after yourself. Take care. Goodbye. That is uh, Michael O'Donovan of the Cork Vintners Federation of Ireland. Michael, Patricia, hi. I'll say, I've said it before, I'll say it again. All off sales of liquor should be put into lockdown as they are the causes of all of these parties, which are the biggest cause of the spike in recent outbreaks. Bars should be reopened as you have a controlled environment and you will not have underage drinking. We know the reasons. What are they waiting for? That's Michael. And Anne says, Morning Patricia, I'm sick about all this reopening of pubs. The priority has to be getting all of the children and students back to school for their education. What will it say about the country if reopening the pubs risks students going back to school. That's from Anne. 1850 333 103. Court today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 Now Dennis Deneen of Deneen's Pub in McCroom joins me to discuss his hopes for the reopening of pubs and also just to chat about how difficult the last five months have been. Good morning to you Dennis. Morning, Patricia. Now, Dennis, how disappointed were you back in July when the news came that you couldn't open on the 20th of July? Oh, I was first disappointed, Patricia. I was I was driving back from from Carlow. Myself and a couple of lads, we went up golfing. And I was in the car on the way down and the news came over the radio. I was first disappointed. And when you closed your doors back in March, how long did you expect to be closed for? I was expecting to be closed for about three weeks, to be honest. Three weeks a month at the most, at the very most. How tough have the last five months been? Oh, brutal, brutal, absolutely. You know, like it was was gone for the first month or two, you know. There was lots of things that needed to be done, got done, you know. But now that they're all done and you're just waiting around, it's, it's getting hard, you know. Like, and I think you know, even talking to Michael of the Vintners Federation just a couple of minutes ago, you could sense it in his voice as well. It's this being stuck in limbo. It's the not knowing. Oh, it is, it is, it is crazy. Like, and, and like, no guidelines yet or nothing, you know, which is crazy. Like, you know, I, I was out yesterday, I know, I've been for something to eat and I had a couple of drinks in the local place in McCoon and to run absolutely perfect. And like, we we can do that as well. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm. I, I, I've the whole bar ready, blow ready for it, and just can't open. It's just it's ridiculous. Like it is absolutely ridiculous. And if the social distancing is the same as in the restaurants and the pubs that are, are serving food that are already open, that yeah. would reduce the number of people onto your premises, though, won't it? it? Would, but at least we'd be open, Patricia. Do you know what I mean? We we still be like in my bar where I have I have a front bar, I have a back bar. I those different sections of the bar, you know, in my place. Yeah. And I've I've a back back entrance as well, so people I have a small area out the back. Do you know? So like, I I would be able to manage it fine, no problem whatsoever. You know. And I have partitions made up, timber frame partitions with perspex to put in between tables and. I've all the floor signage and I've all the signage up in the walls. I have my hand sanitizer units, entrance and exit, and I have a mobile one for the middle of the bar. I've, I've everything done. Well you know? done. Well, well done. You know? Have you stock ordered or where are you with stock? 
I had stocks in back, and I was fully sure that I would be open the last time. So I got stock back in again when we were supposed to open the last time. So I, I'm I'm stocked up again. You're ready to go. Yeah, yeah. And you're a family. You've got family members involved as well, I don't have, you? Yeah. I have, I have, yeah. Uh, my son, my son is actually the fourth generation. My sister works there, you know, and I've, I've part-time workers as well, you know, for the weekends, you know. Fourth generation. So how long? Going back to when? Oh, we're going back to the the, the fifties, that. You know. And would there ever have been a time so difficult? No, Jesus, no. Harder and harder by the by the week, you know. Are you meeting and hearing from local people? I am. Mm. I am. In fairness to the the, the vintners, there now they keep me updated every day. You know, the I, I get a, an email there every day from the vintners. You know, and Facebook there is is fairly active about it as well. You know, and like pe- people people are fed up with it themselves. Like you know. My own customers, like they, they, they like my my pub is a place where people come in, just have a chat, talk about their what was happening during the week and work boys and all that. Sit down, and have a drink, and I, I I can't say any like there has been no spikes because of the bars. The bars have been closed, so they can't blame the bars. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, well, as somebody said, the spikes have been because of all the house parties. Somebody else is making the point. Uh, John says, even though pubs are closed, the sale of alcohol is only down 8%, which is very little. So people are still purchasing alcohol. They're just not drinking it in the bars. They're drinking it at home and in house parties. We need the bars to reopen. Exactly, exactly, Patricia. Like, you, you go to the supermarkets and any supermarkets there and you see, you see people coming out and their, their trolleys are full of slabs of beer. There's more drinking at home now than there ever, ever was. Do you know? And then and you have the cohort of people who really are missing the social side of it, the older men who would, their only outlet would be down at the local bar for a exactly, pint or two on a Friday, exactly. Saturday night. Yeah. Exactly. And like, like my bar now is kind of unique because I have a young and an old crowd going in, mixed crowd, and the old and the young they get on very, very well together. They, they sit down and have a chat with them. Do you know what? Yeah. I, I like it. it, it it's sad. It, 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 I miss it big time, right? Do you? Do you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know? not just the work, it's the the, the social it's, aspect of it. Exactly. Just meeting up with people, you know, and, you know, having the chat and the banter and, you know. Yeah. Okay, well, we wait for the announcement, which will be happening at some stage this afternoon. I think it's going to be later in the afternoon. Listen, we'll keep in contact with you, uh, Dennis. And in the meantime, look after yourself. Okay. And thanks for joining us. God bless. Bye bye. Bye bye. That is uh, Dennis Dineen of Dineen's Pub in McCroom, uh, one of so many publicans, very much in limbo because nobody knows are they opening or are they not? A lot of people contacting us about pubs and should they reopen next Monday? Katrina, they may as well leave all the rest of the pubs uh, open as the ones that are serving food. There are people in and out of the smoking areas. Uh, they so leave, so open the smaller pubs as the bars serving food still have people inside talking and they're in and out all the time. We've all made sacrifices during lockdown, but to see people in and out of smoking areas and then going back in drinking, how is that good when they can't 
allow smaller bars to open. So while bars are serving food in the main they're just operating as bars once the food is out of the way I think that is what Katrina's point is and Anne said that she was in three pubs over the weekend none of them were adhering to the time rule being that you're meant to be in and out in under two hours isn't it one hour 45 minutes she said in the three bars that you've frequented across the weekend not once did anyone come and say your time is up ladies it's time for you to move on she said we could have stayed there all night Nicholas says I think they need to open smaller bars at the weekend I was in a so-called big bar that serves food and it was like pre-COVID times people were walking around interacting with other people at one point says Nicole there was even people out dancing what about the people back and forth to the toilets in the smoking areas how is that not spreading the virus the idea when efforts suggested restaurants opened you sat at your seat 1850 just some of your thoughts coming into us this morning keep them coming you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. This is Court Today. Today with Patricia Messenger on C103. Court's greatest hits. C103. A lot of people reacting to pubs and should pubs reopen and what way the NIFIT meeting is underway as we speak. They're going to, they're speaking with the Cabinet, giving their recommendation and then the Cabinet will decide one way or the other are the pubs going to reopen next Monday or not and we will find out a little bit later on. John says he was in a pub at the weekend a pub serving food. He said I see no difference between this pub and the opening of the so-called wet pubs, particularly those in rural uh, areas. Off licences are doing a booming trade at the moment, says John. Rural pubs in the main are family run and they rely on this trade. I see no problem opening the pubs. What's the difference between opening the ones that are closed and the ones that are opening at the moment? And a number of people actually are pointing that out as well. The fact that pubs that serve food are already open, uh, that they can't understand why the rest of the pubs can't reopen. Uh, Dermot O'Denean is from a Maracou's bar in Kildamarcha and Dermot joins me. Morning to you, Dermot. Morning, Patricia. Ta- I'm very well. I-, I take it you're doing the novenas, are you, for uh, the I- opening next Monday? I'm on my news test, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> OK. Do you feel, I mean, we're getting a lot of people saying they can't see the difference between the pubs, the 40% that are already open and the 60% are closed. Are you seeing an unfairness, the fact that some pubs are open and some are not? I think it is very unfair, yeah, because uh, um, it is very unfair, like, especially in a small place like where I'm from. Um, we can't, we can't, we can't open like, and maybe maybe five miles down the road, the, the hotels are open. Like, I think it's very unfair. And I think they should tell us that the, the, the government should let us know. To, a week is on, a week is a very short time. We should know it to be able to show. Like, it's, it's short time for stock and everything. Like, and it will be if if we're right and we don't get the announcement until later on, on this evening. It's literally only leaving five days. It's leaving Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday and Sunday That's for right, reopening right. on Monday. It's a very short lead-in. It is, yeah. And Diageo, you know, two weeks delivery. Diageo, you, you don't get any, 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 any stock from Diageo. So, uh, I guess every two weeks. Like, so I, I, I'd, I'd be in trouble with stock as well. Like, because ha- I'd, I'd send back the stock for when I, I was going to, I was all right to open the 20s, everything done. And then at the last minute I said no. So it's very difficult, like... So has that stock gone back? It has, yeah, it has. So you have no stock? Not well. I have some, like, but not not a lot. Yeah, not a, not enough for a full reopening next uh, Monday no. for sure. Have you done anything in the bar 
Oh, in, I have everything done. I have the, I have the sanitizers and I have the press bags up and the, I have the floors done. Everything is done. And I, I was ready to go. I was ready to go on the twentieth. We had people. I'd stock. I'd staff and all on call and everything was ready to go. And didn't just they pulled us the last minute. Like, it was very disappointing. Like if they, if they tell us today, they should tell us every day. Like, make sure that say yes or no. If they told us September, I'd be disappointed. But I'd work around it. Like, but they should tell us. They should let us know. Like, t- t- too long, t- the time is too short. Like, they should make a decision and, and call it. Like, I think. Yeah, people are using this word that publicans are in limbo. You don't I know so. where where you're going, and we still don't know, and you still don't know if you do get the nod to open next Monday, what the guidelines... You're kind of guessing what the guidelines are going to be at this stage. There's, no, there's nothing about that. Like There's no directive. Like They'll tell you it's nothing. Like. And that's very unfair. Like If they told us what to do, like we'd work around it. Like, But I think it's very unfair Like to leave us to the last minute. Like, it's, I think it's, it's a pity that they can't get it right. Like They're not, they're not that bad up and down. They should know. <laughs> Have you heard from your customers, Dermot? And I have, I have, I have, and some are very, uh, some are very pro. I have one man. He's 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 in his seventies, and he hasn't been outside the door since. Would and he'd yeah. be a regular, would he? He would be a regular, yeah. And I, I called him twice a week, but if you if you if you bottle him because he he can't get outside the door because he's not transport, and he hasn't been out of his house since the lockdown. And on a normal night, he'd come out and what? Oh, he, he, he would, he, he would have two bites, yeah, yeah. And that'd be it, like that's his. Yeah, that's, that's his. It, yeah. That's how he socialises. That's, that's his social life, yeah. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough, and that's rep. That story is replicated all over the country. Oh yes, it is. Yeah, it is. But like, I, I'm living in the main road now, like, and the the traffic the weekend was bumper to bumper, and like, there's an awful people travelling from the north and everything, like, and. It's a fright that we can't open for locals. Like it's a pity, like that, that they didn't do something if, for the locals, like for the local people. Like um, our population is only about seven hundred people in my place, in my village, and like it's a pity that they didn't look at that and say, look, like lift it for that, lift it, lift the bed for the for the locals anyway. But anyway, yeah. we have to wait and see. Yeah, we will. We will. Has it been? Has it been the last five months been tough, Dermot? I should it was, yeah, but like you know, like should be, the same for everybody. It was hard on the young people, it was hard on the old people. I thought. You know, like it was very, very tough. Like, but look, I was the, the government. I think the government was very good uh, in the in the in the eyes of the world. We did very well. I suppose we did very well. But like, I think that they overlooked the rural places a bit. Yeah, yeah. There's a bit of confusion certainly as we start to reopen, and people need direction. I think in the early days we had very clear direction. Everybody knew this is what is happening, and we'll yes. move from this to this. But it's just in the last couple of weeks there's been sort of confusion about everything and things we thought were going to happen didn't happen. And But then they, the experts will say, sure, we, did, we couldn't predict what way the virus was going either. Anyway, listen, uh, uh, keep the keep on the knees for another little while anyway and we'll see what happens, all right? Listen, dear, would you mind yourself? Take care and stay safe. That's uh, dear Mato Deneen and he's with Omoroku's Bar in uh, Kilnamartra. I think t- showing the story of the very small rural pubs with the rural clientele and they would know everybody that comes in and out of the pub and if somebody wasn't in a pub then somebody wasn't in his bar stool on a Friday night at 8 o'clock where he normally is they'd be questioning is he alright is there something wrong with him because they know he's routine and they'd know he'd always be there and you know there are people who are really really struggling 
just so that they can get out and have that interaction with other people. 1850 Some of your thoughts coming in. Jimmy, this was on our Twitter account at c103.ie when we were speaking with Michael O'Donovan. The Vintners Federation was wondering what would Michael's opinion be on the many pubs Jimmy feels that are largely ignoring the current guidelines. Why are Vintners not tackling that? How can they have any confidence that reopening would go, would be anything other than a free-for-all given the blatant disregard to date there is, you can't say in all, but in some of the bars that had reopened. And I have to say, Jimmy, you're not on your own. We are getting people texting and calling saying that they've been in bars where they felt people were not sticking to the guidelines and that it was as... Jimmy has put it a bit of a free-for-all. Eileen Abandon says, I'm not a drinker, but I don't really see much sense in what is happening. You can go to a supermarket and buy all of the drink that you want to, and that is allowing parties to take place. This is where the problems lie. The publicans are business people, so they will run places correctly like a restaurant would. I feel it's crazy. You can buy what you want in the shops drink-wise. I've been walking a lot recently and I can hear parties happening in many, many homes that I'm walking past. I feel it is very, very unfair, especially on the small publicans. Ben in Newmarket suggests feels the pubs should reopen but he says we should go back to remember the old opening hours for example on a Sunday the younger generation I won't remember this there was a time in this country where on a Sunday the pubs would open on a Sunday morning and then they'd have to close again at two and between two and four it was a holy hour that went on for two hours everyone had to go home I think the initial idea behind it was was to get men out of the pub to go home and have their Sunday dinner with their family. I think that was the original thinking behind it. But anyway, they used to close between two and four and then they would be, and then they would reopen again from four until closing time. So Ben is suggesting, if you're going to reopen the pubs, go back to the old fashioned times where they would be open for a few hours close and then they would be reopened again. He reckons in every town, every pub then, and he reckons all pubs should close at 11 o'clock at night. Have them open at 11, but that's it. And he reckons then in every pub. They should close for two days of the week and that would allow them a chance to sanitise the pubs and have them reopen again on the weekend. But he definitely reckons the old opening hours should be brought back in uh, but he says it need, would need to be policed to the letter of the law and therein lies the problem, do we? Is that what we want all of our local Gardaí to be doing, going pub to, from pub to pub to pub to check and, and make sure that everybody is is adhering to the guidelines. But anyway, that's, uh, thank you for that. That's Ben's suggestion. Go back to the old way of doing things. Uh, Tricia, it just sickens me, all this hype about pubs. There are many families that have been broken in this country because of alcohol. Happy homes and families have been and marriages have been destroyed. So there are many people who will wish that we never that anywhere that sells alcohol would be closed and would never reopen again. Uh, there are a lot more important things in life than drink. And plain clothes ex- inspectors should be visiting all of these places and see for themselves how sneaky some, can't say all, some of the publicans are. Long may the pubs stay closed, says this texter. No name on this. Tim is in yours, says Patricia. I'm extremely annoyed with the shenanigans going on with regards to pubs opening. In my opinion, pubs should be allowed to open. Schools have no bearing on whether pubs open or not. Teachers don't want to go back to school. This is Tim's view, by the way. Now, before I have teachers coming down on top of me. Teachers don't want to go back to school because they are being paid full pay whilst at home and there are many students want just, all they want to do is have house parties because they're in receipt of the 350 euro a week 
COVID payments. That's the reality of the situation, says Tim in your. Well, some of the students who were on the 350 euro a week, that got reduced down to 203 uh, euro. But Tim reckons open the pubs. It's the teachers don't want the schools to reopen. And Martin in Formoy says, Patricia, I think the so-called wet pubs should not open because people will go absolutely drink mad. And let's face it, it's the ones that are open now are not sticking to the guidelines. This country, Patricia, is banjaxed. And also the schools should reopen. They have been off now for far too long. Gangs of teenagers hanging out together. It's no wonder a lot of young people are getting the virus, says Martin in Formoy. And that's one thing I did notice at the weekend with all the talking that's going on about schools and the fact that young people will have to social distance, the students have to social distance inside the school and schools are doing everything they can to keep two metres or a metre apart and all of that. The amount of young people I saw in, you know, I know they were in groups outside in and you're seemingly safer outside than inside. But there was big groups of teenagers and I saw, you know, when teenage, teenagers meet, particularly teenage girls and the big hugs they were giving each other as if they hadn't seen each other in years. They probably only saw each other a couple of hours ago. But it did strike me, it did make me smile and think the schools are going to such great lengths to make sure that the school setting is safe. But what happens the minute they go outside the school gate? Who is telling them and making sure that they are social distancing? And someone else says they can't control the pubs and restaurants that are open at the moment, not in agreement of pubs reopening. Ruth says, Patricia, it is no doubt a very difficult time for publicans waiting to hear about possible reopening. And I know they can't wait in limbo indefinitely. What I don't understand is they're not compelled to reopen on the day that the government says they can. Why don't they wait for the announcement, hopefully coming this week, hopefully coming today, and then reopen as soon as they are ready and as soon as they've all of the drink and the stock uh, in. It might be the 17th of uh, August, but at least that way, they won't have ordered stock in unnecessarily or brought people back from payment prematurely, says Ruth. So don't make the move until you're ready to make the move. And in fairness, what Ruth is saying makes sense and that did happen with some of the shops when the shops were told on the date they were allowed to open if the premises themselves felt they weren't ready then they waited until they were ready and I'm assuming probably publicans will do the same thing as well. Patricia, I can't agree more or oh, this is on when I read out the comment from Dr Jack Lambert who's the infectious disease specialist at Dublin's Martyr Hospital who made the point that Ireland is still very much fighting a health emergency and he felt leadership was needed and he said it's not the time for the government to go away on holidays. He felt let them take two weeks but come back uh, in and come back with a plan. He said that he feels the country needs strong leadership. Well a listener speaking up on that says I can't agree more it is totally irresponsible for the government and the doll to close while the country is trying to eradicate this pandemic. It sends out a mixed message to the country where TDs are not showing concern for the urgency and seriousness of the situation. They need to get back to work, says that texture. Jim says, Patricia, do you know if the pubs do reopen next Monday on the 10th of August, will there be a time limit in that? You'll only be allowed to stay in a pub like for 90 or 115 minutes, like what they're doing with pubs serving food. Um, The simple answer is, I don't. I don't know. Nobody knows. The publicans don't know. We don't have the guidelines yet. We've got to wait and see. Will they get the go-ahead? And if they do get the go-ahead, then we're going to have to look at the guidelines and see what is recommended. Would they recommend something like that? I don't know. 
I think it would be silly if they recommend you can only spend 90 minutes in a pub because all that will do is you'll have people drinking in the pub and then they'll be moving on to the next pub and the next pub and the next pub. If people want to go out on a bender once the pubs are open, then people will go out on a bender. Would it not be better that they do it in one place in case they had the virus instead of moving it around? That would be my view on it. 1850-333-103. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. C103 Jobs. Araglin Nursing Home in Bohabway. They're recruiting a part-time maintenance person. They're also looking for a full-time health care assistant. Full and part-time positions are available for general construction work. That's in the Dohalo area. While an experienced cook is required for Sunday work. That's in Charleville Town. And a childminder wanted for after school from half two to five, Monday to Friday. That's also in the Charleville area. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. And I will return to the topic of whether pubs will open or should they open. And I will get to a lot of your comments and calls uh, coming in. But I want to move to a different issue because according to the Missing Dogs Ireland Facebook page, dog thieves are tying different coloured twines outside of homes where they've identified pets to be stolen. To tell us more, I'm joined by the administrator of the Facebook page, uh, Kate O'Connor. Good morning to you, Kate. Good morning. How are you doing? Uh, I'm, I'm very good and, and you're very welcome. God, but this is really devious. Can you outline what, what you believe is going on? Well, the, the thing about it is, it's like dog theft has always been there. You know, like it's, uh, it, it's been going on for so many years um, daily. Um, but since the, the start of the pandemic, um, it's just gotten like 10 times worse. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Um, there just seems to be a fierce demand Um for, for dogs and the thing is we've put it down to people being at home and wanting to kind of get a dog you know to to entertain them in one respect you know while they're off work and whatever um, and it's 
it's just the worst that we've ever seen it. Yeah, you, I mean, you are you are right. And, and, you know, here at the radio station, we certainly would always have been contacted about dogs going missing. And you'd get maybe a couple of them a week. But it's yeah. almost that, epi- and I'm supposed to use the word epidemic with the pandemic that we're going through. But it is almost as epidemic proportion. It's, it's just, and it's dogs of all different shapes and sizes. See, this is the thing. And like, I was only speaking to someone the other day and we were saying that like, looking back on the prices of dogs, in, like, say, from maybe three or four years ago to now, like, you could get a, um, a Bichon or a Shih Tzu or whatnot, say, from anything from, say, from three to six hundred. And now they're fetching anything from seven to twelve and thirteen hundred euros. You know, and these people are meeting, are going on Dundee and they're going on Gumtree or whatever, and they're meeting these people in car parks and they're just handing over this money. You know, like without seeing the mother or the father or, you know, seeing pups like grow up with the parents, you know, before buying them or whatever. Um, but a lot of it, too, is there has been a lot of dog fighting, oh. um, dog fighting rings and that. And they would sadly steal people's dogs to train them to fight or they would use them for baiting. Oh, my goodness. Um, we won't even th- we won't even oh, think no, about even that. Oh, my no, God, no. we won't even think about I it. I mean, I'm always I, I you know, I've interviewed so many heartbroken people uh, and particularly since the the pandemic I mean yes. literally it, they're just broken hearted they're because their much loved pet ha- the has gone and you you like to try and think if they don't get the pet back that they've just gone on to an, uh, another home and they'll be looked after and, and they will be loved it doesn't take from the heartbreak of the person whose dog has been stolen though do you think they are casing out people's houses? Oh without a shadow of a doubt you know, they'd watch their routine for, for a few weeks and then they, they'd know, you know, if they were going to work, then coming back, going to the gym and then leaving for an hour in between and things like that. They they have it well mapped out for the dog to be stolen, you know? Do you think, dro- like, do you think drones are being used? Um, Yeah, there is, like, like more so with the pandemic there has been. We've never heard of it before. Like, mm-hmm. We have heard of it before, but we wouldn't have, like said that it was for, for kind of dog napping and that. Do you know what I mean? But since the pandemic, it has risen hugely. Um, for, like, the, it, do you know what? It's so well thought out and mapped out, these people have it done, like the way they have it done, that you wouldn't even, in your everyday life, you wouldn't even think to, do you know what I mean? To check, like, is, is this, do you know, you'd be so busy in your own little life that you that you wouldn't be kind of looking around to see if anything is different around the place. Do you know what I mean? And like yeah. even with the with the markings, like they have white toy rack, black toy rack. There's like there's blue, there's red, there's yellow, there's green. Like bits of ribbon, chalk. Um, we we determined over the years that the the different colours was for um the breeds and that you know. Wow. Um, and we spoke to someone that said um that the yellow and the blue was for the uh, bigger dogs. No, the, the for were for the smaller dogs, and the, the red and the the blue were for the larger breeds. And I think the red indicating maybe like a German Shepherd or a Collie or um, a Labrador or, or something like that. But um, it it is a well thought out um, organisation. And there's money to be made at the end of it, so that's why they're so that's why they're so organised. And thousands, and this is the thing we we say to people every day to microchip your dogs, to neuter your dogs, you know, because like nine times out of ten, if they steal a female that's 
like not space, she will be used as um, used for breeding. You know, and they'd make thousands out of her. Mm. And it's it's very, very sad. And like, because this dog is just confined to a small area and no, like, it's just in the shed or wherever. And it, like, once it goes in, it never comes out. Yeah, bred in a tro- breeding in atrocious, atrocious yeah. condition. M- my, you mentioned microchipping, uh, Kate. Yes. It does help, doesn't it? Oh, a thousand percent. Like, we had um, a story that came in, um, was it last week, of a collie that went missing six months ago. Um, above Wicklow and the woman was at home she just thought that the dog was gone and that was it she'd never get the dog back until she got a phone call from the pound that they were after finding her dog six months later because of the microchip my goodness and the thing about the microchips are the microchips are implanted in the neck but the microchips can actually move along the body and we say like for for people to maybe about six months to a year to go back to the vet and just get their dog re-scanned just to see the position of the microchip mm. because like it could be down at the like as I said in the neck it could travel down the base to the end of the or the, the start of the, the tail and um, we've seen things like that where we've scanned dogs and it's down right up under kind of say near the ribcage just above there so um, we would advise people to just get it checked over yeah when you have your vet when you have the dog in for the vet yes just have a look at it or else you could just or else you could just go to any um, pet shop and just ask them just to scan your dog just to see where it's positioned. You don't necessarily have to go and pay the vet. And update update your contact details and all of that? Yes, absolutely. All the time. Um, the thing is, we would advise to put, like, say, two contact numbers on the microchip. Um, if, if there's no, like, if there's not two people in the household, to put your vet or to put and your own contact details on the, um, on the chip. And, God forbid, if your dog is stolen within the first 24 hours, it is so important to contact your um, chipping company that have chipped your dog um, and say to them, can you flag your dog as stolen? Um, it's so important because we've seen so many cases where new owners of dogs have brought a dog into the vet to get the, the, the dog checked over, vaccinated and everything else. And when the vet would scan the dog and it would come up immediately as stolen um, and they would contact the owners. It's happened so many times um, not as many times as we wish it, it should have happened. Um, but we've reunited dogs after two, three, even four years because of flagging the, the microchip as stolen. And of course, the person who's handed over the money in good faith are straight away out of pocket as well. Well, the, the way I see it, I don't show no mercy to people that would go and meet somebody in a car park. You know, like people that are going meeting these breeders in car parks, you know, are like... They're as bad as the people that are staying in the dogs. Wow. You know? Wow. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Because they're just, they all, like, even, they, oh, there's just so much you can tell. And it's just so unimaginable that people are still, with all the, the warnings that are out there, not just on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, you know, it's been on the paper, it's been on local flyers, posters, that, like, we know people want these lovely little fluffy little dogs and they're all cute and whatnot. But if you look at the backstory of these puppies, they're not, it's not a happy start and it's certainly not a happy ending, you know. And that's why the advice is if, if you want to go down the route of a pedigree oh, dog right. and you're willing to hand over yeah. a lot of money, you need to go, you need to see the pup. You need to see, like the thing about it, I, I wouldn't promote, I don't promote breeders. Okay. I don't like breeders. Um, I'm all for rescue because there are so many rescues in Ireland. They are phenomenal. The work that they put into the dogs to rehabilitate them, to get them 
ready for a new home, like these people are volunteers, they're incredible. Um, but if people do want a Pacific Breed, there are rescues all over Ireland that do do have Pacific Breeds only, you know. Um, it, like if people Google rescues in Ireland, there are phenomenal ones out there. Yeah, yeah. If people do want to get a dog from a breeder, I would advise them to go to the property, um, like view the, mo- the mother and the father, you know, like go from the coming weeks from when the from the when the pup is born all the way up to eight or nine weeks. Ask can you go weekly to see the progress of the dog and how the dog has been treated. Um and and then hand over your money. But for me, rescuing a dog is like I have three rescue dogs myself and they all came from absolutely horrific conditions. But to see them now years on, the loyalty and the love from the little shell that they were to now, that it is phenomenal and you get so much more out of a rescue dog because I have so many times Kate on this programme spoken yeah. about that and the yeah. the dog it's as if the dog knows it's after getting a second chance and they're looking at you the owner and saying it's because of that woman Kate there that I'm getting a second chance and the, you know the, as loyal as a dog it, there's nothing like the love and the loyalty you'll get from the rescue it's dog the who's getting the second there. chance It is and the thing about it is, is like rescues always like they're always looking for fosters Reason being is that they don't want the dogs to be in kennels, that they want them to be in foster homes to get used to a family, you know, to, for just like to kickstart their, their journey to going on to their forever home. And I've seen it myself, like I'm a failed fosterer because any dog <laughs> I've brought in, I haven't given them back. So I had to stop. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So it was a case of like, if I kept going, I would have been, I would have had 40 dogs. At one day, you know, Because um, when you see them coming in as a little shell, I have one little little girl she's a Jack Russell and she even when you pet her she before um, she used to soil herself in fear but now she's the most cheekiest sassiest little dog <laughs> she rules the roost she's amazing isn't that brilliant that is brilliant and if if God forbid your dog is stolen your advice on the microchipping is is fantastic the first, the first 24 hours is vital and what, what, what else to, what should somebody do well like the thing is like if like people to contact local missing dogs pages. You know, we, we, we say to contact us immediately because we, we say to make a dog too hot to handle. Like, you know, the way social media works, like yeah. our platforms are run over Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, um, and we are linked in with everything. So if we share on Facebook, it's instantly shared to our Instagram and then we link it straight to our Twitter. Like everyone is on social media. You know, like it's it's fa- it goes faster around social media than it would for the Gardaí. Mm. We would advise people to go to the Gardaí, even though their hands are tight. Um, there's not much that they can do. They could check, ask for like you know, ask for dash cam footage or CCTV. But the thing about it is, is what I will say: the Gardaí have been phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal through this pandemic. Um, they have gone above and beyond. Um, people give the Gardaí an awful lot of sticking. Oh, why can't they just go in and do? X, Y, and Z. Their hands are tied. The, legis- the legislations aren't there. We've been trying to push the laws for tougher sentencing and for the Gardaí to be able to do more. Um, but we would advise people to get posters out. Um, the first 24 hours to five days are, are crucial to get 
your dog back. And that's why I use social media. I know we interviewed a woman a couple of weeks ago whose dogs uh, were stolen. Uh, one was picked up microchipped, thank God, down in Kerry and she went and collected it and went, by the time she got back home, the other, the other had been dumped back in the garden and she reckoned it was too hot to handle because it was all over social media. It, it was terrific. And actually just today, I've had a lovely card, a thank you card and a beautiful photograph of Lola, gorgeous, handsome oh, looking black Lola, dog. Yes, do you know Bernie. Lola? I do, Bernie's um, doggy. Yeah, Bernie, John yes. and Lola in, yes. in Copine and she and she just wanted to thank us for, for the role that we played in trying to... Lola was missing for 25 days. Yes, yes. I, 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 I spoke to her. I, the, she was speaking to someone on social media and they said get in contact with Kate Connor and whatever, whatever. So she phoned me and I spoke to her and her poor heart was broken and we did all we could and we were, we were advising her and telling her not to give up hope and when I the day that when I woke up and when I seen the post the tears flooded yes. down my face and I she, was just so happy and for it's her. a picture of Lola before she went missing she's skinny oh. now after her ordeal but she'll come yes. back she'll come back uh, well amazing. done yeah it's great it's great listen you're doing fantastic work you Missing Dogs Ireland dog uh, Facebook page it's it's fantastic uh, we'll speak again no doubt Kate in the meantime yes. thank you for that absolutely no problem at all Good thanks for joining us uh, bye bye uh, Kate O'Connor there one of the administrators on that Missing Dogs Ireland Facebook page. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 103 Lots of musicians and singers have taken to social media to do virtual live gigs and some are using the opportunity to raise funds for local worthwhile causes including my next guest this morning Ella Ryan has been presenting Thursday Night Live from her parents' backyard in Bandon and uh, Ella joins me. Good morning to you Ella. Hi, good morning, Patricia. How are you doing? You are, I'm very good and you're, you're welcome to the programme. The pandemic began for you as a working musician singer on the Sea Princess cruise ships. Yeah. When I did you over. when did you realise you had a problem and where, where in the world were you? Um, I was in Australia, sailing around Australia and our cruise was cancelled. So we were reverted back to Sydney and my last performance was actually at St. Patrick's they show in the Princess Theatre and the Sea Princess and our guests uh, disembarked the ship in the port of Sydney as um, the Australian government, they mandated that all cruise ships had to leave Aussie waters. So we basically sailed out of Sydney on the 18th of March uh, with with no itinerary and no guests. So it was very, very strange indeed. And, what, and how long were you left stranded on board? Um, Ten weeks, yeah. Ten weeks, so at the start, I suppose it was it was okay. You know, we kind of kept performing for crew. We were very fortunate that we didn't have the virus on board. Everybody was healthy, and um, but you know there was a lot of obstacles that we had to overcome, and the goalposts were changing all the time. Um, you know, even just things like getting provisions on board and fuel for the ship, and uh, we weren't allowed to go into certain ports. So we ended up actually going over to uh, the Philippines because we had like 280 Filipino crew and they originally promised us that we would be able to get their um, their Filipino crew members home safe and sound within 48 hours of, of docking in the bay. But we got we were there then for 10 weeks. So I was very, very happy to return home to my beloved West Coast. <laughs> you see, it seems in principle the idea of if somebody had said to you last year we're going to put you on a cruise ship and for 10 weeks you're going to sail the high seas. People go, isn't that great? But then when the reality strikes it's very different. Oh, well, like, you know, 
the novelty wears off when you're not um, occupied and you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. I mean, um, like, we had a few performances for crew to kind of maintain positive morale, but, like, when we moved over to um, the Philippines, we were in Manila Bay, I couldn't even have a, a phone call on WhatsApp with my mother, you know, and we were very much felt like in the weirdest of time of what was happening in the world, we were completely cut off from yeah. the world, you know, and and the Filipino crew members then had to do their quarantine on the ship, so we took on positions as sentry officers where we were monitoring their balcony cabins 24 hours a day, and everything kind of went on and on, and your own, like your own mental health, you know, we were wondering, when am I going to get home? What's happening at home? How are my family and friends at home? You know, so it was very, very, very happy to finally get on the plane and, and, and make my journey home no matter what and then kind of scenario it was. you quarantined when you came home? I did. I was in a lovely caravan outside my house <laughs> and I was, it was brilliant. It was like a new form of camping and um, my family were excellent. You know, I was very worried as well coming back, having, you know, come through airports and I really wanted to make sure that I did the strict quarantine and I stayed away from everyone um, and it was fantastic and then I just suppose how the life, the person at life came about, a number of friends and neighbours and even guests that would cruise on board Princess Cruises send me positive messages and really it, it kept me going and I wanted to say thank you. So I had seen that a lot of musicians were going live on their page and I was a little bit reluctant but I did um, I suppose 11 weeks ago I did my first live and it kind of went from there and, and now we're 11 weeks later and we've been putting on a performance and I, and I watched some of them over the weekend they are absolutely fantastic you're a talented family because you're joined by your sisters yeah I have two sisters and a brother who doesn't get a look in but uh, <laughs> he can sing a song or two as well but my two sisters are well known performers in Cork Angela Ryan and Mary Jo Ryan and to be fair you know a lot of a lot of work goes into it behind the scenes, and for my parents to be willing to have us set up in in the garden, and everybody is worried of COVID nineteen and social distancing and that. So um, to have my sisters on board and my family on board is is fantastic as well. And some guests join you as well. Yes. So then I suppose I just asked a few locals when the restrictions eased up a bit. I asked a few local musicians who weren't gigging. Um, would they like to join in? And then I kind of promoted it more on my on my Facebook. So I had a number of musicians from around West Cork, Connor O'Sullivan, Anne-Marie O'Brien, Danny O'Leary, um, Hannah uh, from Middleton, she was on last week. My own brothers, well, brother-in-laws, um, Barry O'Neill and Evo Yasoff. And um, we have another special guest lined up for this Thursday as well. So I and you just probably be doing a few more weeks. And, and you then, decided then to make the use the Facebook session to raise funds? Yeah, well, you know, again, I saw other musicians going live and they were putting up a tip jar and stuff and I I rang my sisters one day and I just said, look, would we ever raise, try and raise some money for charity? And to be honest, I was kind of nervous about it because I was like, what if we put up a target and we don't reach it? <laughs> we, we, we didn't want, you know, we'd love to benefit so many charities and fundraise for, for every charity and we really did discuss which charity we, we should put it forward for. So since I came home, I volunteered with Cancer Connect, which is um, a service that takes patients from around Cork County to their their um, treatment and brings them home again. And it's a voluntary service. 
um, with volunteer drivers, non-profit organisations. So I said, look, that would be one. And of course, we couldn't kind of go past Mary Mount Hospice. Yeah, you've, you've, you know, picked, you've picked two, ge- you've picked two yeah. gems there for sure. How are you finding the experience of volunteering with Cancer Connect, which I think, by the way, is just an amazing uh, organisation. How are you finding that experience? Well, I, I love it. I Do love you? meeting well, people and I mean, like, you don't know when you're going to find yourself in a situation, situation where you might need a helping hand from someone, whatever. And I mean, like, I suppose my experience in the last 10 or 11 weeks alone, if they want to chat to me, I'll, I'll have something to say and I don't mind driving and being on the road. And it's, I think it's a fantastic service to be able to put on for people when they need it most, you know. Yeah, well, and when they're at their most, most vulnerable, my God. Yeah. Oh, okay, and the future, um, Ella, uh, what, what does the future hold for you? Oh, goodness gracious, I don't know, really, to be honest. I'm just so happy to be home. Um, I am a secondary school teacher, so that's my other half, and uh, I'd be delighted to get back working with young young people um, in whatever capacity, so hopefully moving forward, um, I might veer back into teaching. Um, but at the moment, I, I suppose we'll just continue on doing our lives. We've reached our target. We put up our target of a thousand euros last week. We made it within 24 hours. So um, we have now pushed it a little bit more and we're hoping to reach 2,000 um, for this week. Brilliant. And we are um, now, I think, 1,145 or something <laughs> like that. So, um, And we know as well, you know, um, it might be hard times for people and that anything any contribution uh, there's no contribution too small and we have a fantastic special guest on this Thursday night with us as well who's coming on board to help us raise money for Cancer Connect and Marymount Hospital and it's all those small donations uh, actually they're the ones that all all mount up and people can see it on your Facebook page which is Ella Ryan Music Ella Ryan Music and we'll be live on Thursday night at 8pm and just to say thank you so much to everybody who has contributed and supported in any way shape or form whether they donated money or whether they turned up to support us sometimes our neighbours come they stand outside the gate and uh, a very good friend of ours has helped us with the internet and, and different things so thanks very much to everybody uh, and you us. can see you've, you the videos from the previous Thursdays are up on the Facebook page as well yeah, yeah. Um, all of the videos are there. Um, it's, it's ten of them. As I say, I watched some of them over the weekend. It looks like you're having great crack when you're doing it as well. It is because you know, I suppose in normal times, Angela would have had a wedding band on the road, Ruby Jude, Mary Jo plays with a different band, you know, and um, we never get the opportunity to actually sit and sing together. So there's been like in 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 these really weird times, there's been some. Beautiful. We'll look back at this and we'll have such beautiful memories of, of singing in the backyard when our neighbours are out for a walk and they're popping over and listening. And like back in the day, my father would have bought music equipment out to the yard and set it up and we would have sang with my grandmother. So it's really, really nice. Yeah, that's it's, lovely. It's that's, lovely. That is lovely. That that is lovely. Listen, you look after yourself. And by the way, there's going to be lo- there's loads of teaching jobs if you want to head straight <laughs> back into teaching. I'm assuming it's music you teach, is it? Actually, no. English. No. 
Oh, <laughs> how wrong of me to assume it's music. It's English, okay. Well, there's lots of jobs for English teachers, I can tell you that. Uh, listen, you're, you, you and the sisters, you're a credit uh, to your family. Keep doing what, what you're doing and, and stay safe and we'll share it on our social media platforms as well. But it's Ella Ryan Music if people want to go onto your Facebook page next Thursday night at 8 o'clock. Thanks a million. Pleasure Thank talking so to you. Have a lovely day. Take care. Bye bye. That is uh, Ella Ryan uh, joining us from Bandon. 1850-333-103. I would encourage you to check out the Facebook page and check out the live sessions there. They really are terrific. Talented family are the Ryans, I can tell you. 1850-333-103. John Paul and Sadie are taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103. This is Cork Today. Cork Today with Patricia Messenger on C103. Cork's greatest hits. C103. In 53331033, we have some listeners looking for advice. Let me start with Imelda, uh, who uh, joins me from Whelan to share her story. Good afternoon to you, Imelda. Hello, Patricia. How are you doing? I'm doing well. It's it's your poor daughter. First thing, what happened to your daughter? Well, she she fell off her bike at the end of May, and well, she slipped, and her foot went back on it. Ah. So I, I suppose it took a day or two for me to realise that she was actually. Genu- I thought my sister was something to clear up after a day, but it didn't. So I took her to the doctor anyway, and he thought that she had ligament damage, and he recommended that we go and get physiotherapy done. Okay. And that took us about two weeks to try and find somebody that I could get to physiotherapy with her. So we got that anyway, and we did four rounds of physiotherapy, and he he thought he was getting some improvement on her, but there was still something that still wasn't coming right on it. So he said she'd need to go and get an MRI done, because there was something there that he, he couldn't figure out, but all the exercises he was doing with her wasn't getting it. So went for the MRI down to the Aphidia, uh, uh, yeah. yeah, last Tuesday, this is last week, and they did a... Uh, an MRI and the report then came back on Thursday to say that there was a fracture on her the bottom of her tibia. So I was told then to go to CUH to, to she probably needed to get a boot. So I went down to CUH on Thursday and in CUH they said they didn't think she needed a boot. And I was then the MRI showed up such a thing and I was able to show him the I gave them give them a copy of the MRI and the report that came with it. But then they had to do their own X ray. And then on their x-ray, nothing was showing up. But she's still limping very badly. But they didn't do an MRI, did they? They did an x-ray. But that's very different to an MRI. An MRI, an MRI will show up something that an x-ray won't. Yeah, it's kind of was strange that they would want to do an x-ray after an MRI, when the MRI did show up something. And are you saying that they weren't accepting the results of the MRI? Yes. But your MRI doesn't lie. And it's all there, the, where the fractures, the Salter Harris fracture and the bruisings on the bones, all that information is on the MRI. And while all this is going on, you've a little girl obviously in a lot of pain. But see, I thought that's the wrong, thing's wrong. If she's sitting, she's in no pain. Okay. But it's just if she puts any pressure on her foot at all, so that means she can't walk. Yeah. So she can sit all day, which is not really a great way for 11-year-old to send her somewhere else. But um, she can't. She walks, she'll walk with, with, a, with a limp and with pain and her foot is actually beginning to turn out now when she walks because she gets more relief walking that way than she does walking properly. Yeah, and then the danger is that you can get into a habit of walking a different way. And so I'm strapping it up now myself. Okay. And my fear is that I'm strapping it up. Now, she is getting comfort from it. Okay. 
but I'm, I'm just afraid that I might be strapping it up wrong or doing her more damage than good. And your own GP wouldn't be an expert on strapping, would no, he? No, I went to no. him this morning even again and he said no, that's, he said you have to go to somebody that has orthopaedic. And then when I go to orthopaedic, they tell me there's nothing wrong with her. So we're trying to put a shout out for anyone who can either give you advice on how you can strap up the leg or someone who can do the leg strapping correctly. Yeah, if I was just showing how to do it, I'm quite happy to do it. And even this morning, I've noticed that having it strapped all day yesterday, her leg was always kind of swollen. And that swelling has actually started going down on it. It's visible. You, you don't need an x-ray to see that there is something wrong with one of her ankles. You yeah. can see it with the naked eye. Well, the fact that she tries to put any sort of weight on it she's in pain she's indicates in pain. that there, there is something wrong. The, the orthopaedic surgeon spoke to her and CUH said when I start walking as a four but she said if I walk any bit it goes to a ten. Oh God love her. And it's probably her problem is that she's too she's too strong if she was. I know. And it's been since May so is she near it, she's over two months since no, it's All June all July and we're into August now. Is it possible the fracture will just knit itself fix itself? But it's still whatever she's still in pain so. Yeah. No, yeah. I think when when we when we adjust it and I can strap it up, she can walk on that without pain, without without the level of pain that she would have if I didn't have it strapped. Yeah, but it's still she's still not perfect with it strapped. Yeah, so the strapping is helping, and it's helping the the knitting and the healing of the, of the fracture. Yeah. Obviously, and she's always in the morning. She she's good, and as the day progresses, you can see her getting worse because I suppose the resting of the night is kind of going back into some. Gone back white at some bit. And, and then, then she's she putting weight on it throughout the day. All right, okay, listen, we'll put the shout out and see if anybody can offer you any sort of advice, uh, Imelda. Uh, and in the meantime, thank you for that and look after yourself and your daughter. Thanks very much. Thanks for Take care. God Thank bless. Bye bye. Eighteen fifty three 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 one zero three. I've never heard of a case like that before, where somebody goes in with an MRI and they say no on our X-ray, because you get so much more information on an MRI than you do from a standard X-ray. Because how many times have people gone for an X-ray? And nothing shows up. And then when they go for the MRI, it shows up. It seems very bizarre that you go into a hospital with the MRI done for them to go back and do an X-ray and not just accept the results of the MRI, doesn't it? Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know if anybody can, if anybody can help, if anybody can offer advice to Imelda and her daughter because it's you know an 11 year old girl the summer has been tough enough for all children without her being in pain at the same time you just hate to think of her in pain and she can't as Imelda says she can't spend the rest there's about a month left before hopefully they'll all be back in school she can't spend the next month just lying down because then she's got to go back to school in September and if it isn't knit is she going to be in agony going back into school now somebody says I've got a boot one of those boots in my attic if that lady if Imelda wants it okay I don't know if that's going to be of any help or not but we can connect this listener we can pass on telephone numbers thank you for that to that listener who sent that on but if anybody else has, has advice for Imelda can you share it with us please 1850 and here's another listener looking for advice please and the listener doesn't want her name called out which is fine so for the sake of just calling out the text we're going to call her Lucy that's not her real name looking for advice please my partner's child from another relationship her birthday is coming up soon the child's mother is having a birthday party where a lot of children will be attending now the problem is we're due to take the child that evening the evening of the birthday party. I am very, very anxious as I know 
that in the household where her mother is, they don't keep the social distancing rules. And obviously you're going to have a household of children coming into a birthday party. You're definitely not going to have social distancing rules going on. I don't know what to say to my partner as he is really looking forward to seeing his daughter for that evening. I'm wondering if you could call it out, please. And would other listeners have advice for me? Yeah, it's a real tricky one, isn't it, to be in the middle of? You're obviously in a situation where you're taking the whole social distancing, the wearing of masks, the hand hygiene, the cough etiquette. You're doing everything correctly and you're fearful of leaving anyone into your house that perhaps isn't abiding by all the rules for COVID-19. So I can sense where you're coming from on it. The only thing I will say, and my gut instinct would say, There isn't a lot of COVID-19 out there at the moment here in Cork, thankfully. Also, children are not super spreaders. There's very few children coming down with COVID-19 and picking up coronavirus. So I would assume that the children coming to the party, all of them will be COVID-19 free and they'll have a lovely little party. And then your partner's daughter will come and spend a lovely evening with dad and and with you. And I can see from your partner's point of view, it's his little girl's girl's birthday. He's obviously not going to the birthday party, so he won't get to celebrate that with her. So I can see why he would be so looking forward to having his little girl into his house for the evening time for him to celebrate the birthday with his uh, daughter. But, you know, I can see and I'm hearing your concerns uh, as well. There's a lot in that pot all mixed up together. And I'm sure there's others in the very same situation. We have so many blended families and different families and different setups for families and children move from mammy's house to daddy's house and back again. And what if you've got one house that's abiding by all of the rules, the correct rules to keep us safe from COVID-19 and then you have another house that doesn't. And, I'm, you know, so I'm sure that that's happening in a lot of other different relationships as well. So we'll put it out there to see if any listeners has any sort of advice for Lucy, please. What does she do? Does she say to her partner that she's concerned? Does she say to the partner because of her concerns she doesn't want the child coming to the house that night because she'll have been with a lot of other children at a busy party where social distancing rules will be thrown out the door because it is a child's birthday party at the end of the day. 1850 333 103. If you would have advice, please, for Lucy, we'd love to hear from you. Now, let me go to some of your other comments coming in on a wide variety of different issues on the stealing of dogs when we spoke about how there's been an increase in the cases of dogs being stolen and what we can do to try to protect our animals and if a dog goes missing and we were talking about the Missing Dogs Ireland Facebook page which sounds like a fantastic page and they have helped to reunite so many people with their dogs but unfortunately so many other dogs never ever come home. Tim in Mill Street ponders would it be possible to implant a tracker chip into the microchip that you put into a dog? A phone can be tracked Why not a chip and a dog? What a great suggestion, Tim. I've never heard of it. Maybe there is such a thing out there, but it certainly is a good suggestion. Whether it is possible or not, I don't know. Another listener says, my daughter's dog went missing and he was microchipped, never found, and he's gone with a long time now. Yeah, sadly, all of the dogs that are microchipped, they don't all come home, but you do have a better chance of your dog coming home 
if it is microchipped. And Mary says when we were talking about all the different ploys that have been used by these criminals to steal dogs, Mary has heard of vans going around and they'll beep at the horn and wait to see which households will have a dog reacting. You know the way dogs bark if there's a horn bipping or any kind of noise outside the home and Mary says that's one way for these criminals to identify if there is a dog in the house or not. Hi this is Breda in Mallow. I so agree with Kate who spoke to you about the missing dogs particularly what she was saying about the buying of dogs out of the back of a van. We all know what we should do if you want to buy a dog. Personally, it's shocking to buy and sell those poor dogs when there are so, so many dogs in rescue centres who are desperately waiting for their forever home. Would you wise up, people? Says Breda in Mallow, who suggests if you want a dog, go to a rescue uh, centre. And in fairness, Kate was putting forward the very same suggestion as well. Heidi says, Patricia, any news on the Wexford lady who you spoke to whose dog was stolen? She got the dogs back, but the pups... Uh, did she ever get the pups back? No, she didn't. That was where she got the dog back. But you remember the microchip had been cut out of the dog's neck. The, those pups were well out, I would say, gone out of the country. That's the problem we have in a lot of the dogs when they're stolen. It's out of the country. They actually go and they're gone sometimes stolen straight onto the ferry and gone I do think we need to, the ferries and ports need to be checked a lot more to see because the animals have to physically get out of the country somehow uh, 1850 still getting in commentary on pubs Hi Patricia I think in the country pubs the older people with a compromised immune system they will flock back in and that would be my big worry if they are going to reopen pubs it will cause more deaths from COVID-19 because it's the older people particularly the older people that are missing the rural pubs my fear is that they'll turn up in large numbers and if there's any kind of COVID-19 it will spread Hi Patricia the COVID payment for students is laughable I get €160 pension a week after working full time as a nurse with the HSC and that's thanks to Joan Burton changing the entitlements for the state pension. As for pubs reopening, of course they should. Older age customers have been forced to isolate some who would otherwise happily just sit in a pub, have a pint and read the paper. We need them back open again. John in Clonakilty says, shut down the counties with the high cases. Total shutdown. That is the answer. Someone else is saying, look what they've done in Melbourne. That's what we need to do in this country. And this really strict six-week lockdown has been introduced in Melbourne because it's just in Melbourne that they're having the outbreaks. The rest of Australia is okay, So the rest of Australia can continue, but they've got this massive lockdown in Melbourne. Somebody's saying we need to do the same thing in Dublin. But then we're, we're having clusters in Kildare and we're having clusters in Leash. So I'm assuming what you're saying is regional lockdowns is where we need to go. Jack says, Patricia, if the pubs do reopen next Monday, is it the one and a half hour time limit? Is, still, is, still, is that still going to apply like it does with restaurants and gastropubs at the moment. If that be the case, I won't be there. Why? It'll cost me €15 by taxi to get into the town, into my nearby town, to go to the pub, and then another €15 to get home. All that for an hour and a half? I don't think so, says Jack. I'll stay at home. John says, open the pubs, close the off-licences for good. That's what we need to do. And on listeners ringing in saying that they've been in various pubs and not everybody is adhering to the guidelines that are in place, this listener says, we are breeding a new country of spies and busybodies have other people 
noticed uh, that. Sean in Clantan remembers a pub in his area back when he was young in the 40s. Now, I don't know the explanation for this, but he claims that they only served people who lived three miles away from the pub. Anyone who lived in a three mile radius wasn't served in that pub. He says that rule should come in, but reverse it. You should only be allowed to serve pe- people who live in a three mile radius of your pub. And that's all very good. Well, if you live in an area where you don't have a pub within a three mile radius, are those people not allowed to go to the pub? But I'd love more information on why that pub was only serving people who lived three miles away from the pub. And how did you prove that she lived three miles away. I'm, I have no understanding of that at all. Nancy Zimbantry, she said, the government are not responsible for this pandemic. She cannot understand why the Licensed Fitness Federation, they're the association representing the Dublin pubs, they've come out and said if the pubs don't open next Monday, then the government need to compensate the publicans. Nancy can't understand why should the government compensate publicans. They didn't start the pandemic. She said any extra money is needed for teachers and the health service. It shouldn't be going to publicans. Uh, would you would you push that so far as to other businesses as well, Nancy? Businesses, there's startup grants for all businesses to get them back up and uh, running again. And my heart goes out to poor old Maria, who's been on the road since 8.30 this morning. She contacted us just before 12. She's heading for Middleton. She's still not at her destination. She's only now, when she contacted us, she was only now approaching Cove Cross as the queues are still remaining in the area. And that was to do with the diesel van that went on fire earlier. She feels it's a joke with a lack of guidance on the rolls on the roads. She cannot believe how big the backlog was and the up to 12 o'clock she was still going nowhere uh, very I was going to say very fast going nowhere very slow 1850 333 103 The C103 Cork Diary With Cork County Council Supporting businesses Supporting communities Serving Cork Visit corkcoco.ie Some up and coming events for you the annual Mick O'Regan Memorial Motorcycle Run in ADP Asia House they're going virtual this year they're asking people for next Saturday the 8th of August to post pictures of yourself and your motorcycle on your own motorbike ride out and you post them to the Mick O'Regan Memorial Facebook page and then donate to the GoFundMe link. Kilbritton GAA have rescheduled their Golf Classic for Friday the 21st of August. You can contact members of Kilbritton GAA to organise a tea time. And Chapel Hill School of Art in McCroom, they will host an open day on the 29th of August at one o'clock in the afternoon, which will have free kids workshops as well as many other artistic attractions. Record today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. Okay, on people with the suggestion that you don't buy a dog, instead you go to an animal rescue. Uh, Somebody says, uh, Patricia, it's easier to adopt a child then get a dog from a rescue centre. And someone else is making the same uh, point that the rescue centres can make it very hard with all of the rules that they put in place. Plus the charges can be expensive. They can charge €150. But you see, the animal, I can see it from the side of the animal rescue. They have to make sure that the family that this animal is going to, the animals that they take in have had a very, very bad start. They can't just open the doors and any Tom, Dick or Harry goes in and says, oh, I fancy the look at that Bichon Frise. Oh, sure, I'll take that Alsatian there in the corner. I can understand why they make it difficult. They have to make sure that the home that the rescued animal is going to is going to be that dog's forever home 
and that everybody in that house realises the importance and of taking on an animal and the responsibility of taking on the animal. How often have we mentioned responsible pet ownership? So I actually, while it might be annoying for people who want to rescue an animal and think that they can just rock up outside the rescue and pick their puppy and head away home with them, I can actually undersee, I can understand why rescues make it a little bit difficult and the charges of 150 euro, remember those animal rescues are charities. They run on a shoestring of a budget. 1850-333-103. Now a listener has sent in a text and I don't know how much truth is in, is in this rumour so I'm not mentioning the town but according to a listener apparently all pubs in one particular county town they've all decided that they're reopening tomorrow. Now whether that's a collective that all of the vintners together have got together and decided to open but remember we hit the one remember the gentleman in Newcastle wasn't it Newcastle West who was so annoyed when they didn't open on the 20th of July. And do you remember he reopened and he wanted to do it? Now, he went very public about reopening, but he wanted to do it to show that I can do it. I can serve pints. I can keep people socially distanced. I can have the hand sanitizers in. I can have the Perspex screens in. I can do this safely. And he wanted to show an effort and he wanted to show the government. You made the decision not to saying I can't open on Monday well look I've done it and, and everything went well. And he did it for a morning but the guards arrived in and he had to close down. So I don't know if this listener, this apparently, this rumour that's doing the rounds, if all of the vintners together, I don't know how many pubs are in the town, but if they all come together and will the guards leave them alone or will they close down each and every one of them? Because certainly that gentleman in Newcastle West did not last long. He was closed down very, very quickly. Now, we have a couple of people on with advice to Imelda who joined me. You know, Imelda and her little girl who fell off the bike. She's only 11. She's in a lot of pain since the end of May. An MRI has shown that there's a fracture, but CUH did an X-ray, couldn't see the fracture in the X-ray. Didn't appear to accept the MRI that Imelda brought in with her. And she's looking for advice on how to strap it up because it definitely the little girl is getting relief when Imelda straps it up. But she doesn't know if she's doing the right or the wrong thing, uh, basically, as well. Uh, that listener, Imelda, and uh, her daughter with the fracture is actually lucky to have even been seen. I had a fracture and I got a letter to say I was on a waiting list for the South Infirmary. So I rang them and asked, how long will I be waiting? And I was told the consultant isn't seeing anyone anymore, any, anyone at the moment due to COVID-19. So I asked, would I be seen? When would I be seen? And it could be up to 12 months or more, says a listener. And Anna says, Patricia, the girls, the little girl's injury will take many, many months to heal. I injured my ankle slash foot at the end of March and I'm still in a lot of pain. Supports are very important. Your pharmacy may be able to help. I would suggest that Imelda's daughter gets a crutch. Use a crutch because it will keep the weight off the injured foot. Used iced water therapy to reduce the swelling. Put arnica cream. I find all of these very good. It will come good, but I was told at the injury clinic it can take many, many, many months to heal. But uh, some good advice in there. Thank you for that, that uh, listener. And someone says, hi Patricia, could Imelda take her daughter to another physio and see if they can do anything for her? Because there are so many different physios out there. Now, it was the physio had been working on Imelda's daughter for the, did she say eight sessions? And it was the physio actually said, I think you need to go further. But yeah, when I initially saw 
Imelda's comment come in. I was thinking, I wonder, is it a physio we need? But I'm assuming because, you know, in fairness, listening to Imelda, she's done everything right so far. I'm assuming she was probably back on to the physiotherapist because it isn't physio at this stage. The actual fracture needs to heal. That's why I think Anna's suggestion when Anna is talking about it will take quite some time to heal. Rest, I think a crutch. Anna, pharmacies are great. Pharmacies are great port of call. So maybe a medical go into a local pharmacy and see if they can help her out. Anyway, thank you for all of your suggestions uh, coming in for Imelda. And there was, I saw a comment in for Lucy who is wondering about her daughter's, her partner's daughter, who is having a birthday party at the mum's house. And on after the birthday party, the daughter is coming over to spend time with dad. Lucy's worried because the house where the party is going on with all the little girls, social distancing is not going to happen. Her partner's really looking forward, obviously, to seeing the daughter on her birthday. But Lucy's just a bit concerned. Tom wonders if that was Lucy's own daughter's birthday party, she would get her partner to put up with it, wouldn't she? That little girl is entitled to be there and is entitled to see her dad and her daughter. Her dad is entitled to see her on her birthday as well. 1850-333-103. Text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086-2103-103. And it's time for us to have our weekly chat with Joe Heffernan. Good afternoon to you, Joe. Good afternoon, Patricia. And you are welcome. And today we're going to do the stress test that we yeah. do every year, maybe a couple of times a year. Uh, yeah. We do. It. I think it's a really interesting time to do it because I think a lot of yeah. people... I got a couple stressed. of phone calls um, people saying, you know that stress test that you did there whenever um, uh, they were saying, do you intend doing that anytime soon? Which was as good as saying I'd like you to do it sometime soon. And um, yeah, I, I suppose there was never a more appropriate time to do the old stress test in the sense that um, well, Times have changed. And is, isn't it, is it fair to say some people are very stressed, more stressed than they normally would be. And then you hear other people who talk about l- loving the relaxed pace of life. I've heard people say, I've, I haven't any stresses in my life. Everything is just so relaxed at the moment. Some people are coping with the whole lockdown, working from home, yeah. The, the different reality of life that we have at the moment and yeah. others then are just feeling they're just a ball of stress. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I think where there is um, where, where, where there is family that um, uh, if we're not fretting a bit about ourselves we are more certainly fretting about others. Now I'm only talking about my own experience. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think that young people have got a real, real raw deal in life at the moment. Um, Like, as my lads would say now, Dad, like, we graduated into a recession. And just when things started to look up a wee bit, we got the COVID-19. And, you know, I would be... You know, they'd be always on my mind. Um, and, 
so I wouldn't find it very relaxing and I love nothing better than an old day out, maybe meet the lads, have a bit of lunch. One of my favourite uh, things would be a visit to the cinema. Um, so that an awful lot of things that I found were, uh, we'll call them de-stressors, they're not there anymore. Um, even small things like, now, we went to Killarney yesterday and... Um, the, the, I'm not saying anyone was out of order now, but there were there were an awful lot of people there. Um, like, you know, the footpaths, everything. Um, you know, good for Killarney, great stuff, but a lot of people. And uh, kind of Mary said, look, I'm not a bit comfortable. Um, maybe we'll go home a bit earlier than we planned. So we did. Um uh, so yeah, um, yeah, and well done on that because Michael Ryan from the you know the famous the wonderful Irish doctor who's with the World Health Organization, uh, he came out number of months ago saying that that if you go somewhere and it doesn't feel right for you and it doesn't feel comfortable for you, then just move away, just get out of the situation. Yeah, because you you are right. You do. We all end up in situations where and something just tells you too many people here. You can't properly social distance with the amount of people that have been around. Everybody's bumping into each other. I yeah. think I think you're right. I I, I think you're right. You're, yeah. you're, you're right. Okay, so we're going to do the stress test and it, it'll be yeah. interesting. Uh, people will remember these stress tests in the past. Some people will always have done very well on it and they have very little stresses in their life. It'll be interesting to see will people notice that their stress levels have gone up. So, okay, you're going to read out a series of statements and you have to just count up the number of yeses, isn't it? Well, it's the ones that apply to yourself. Okay. You'd be saying, does that apply to me? For example, you can get one like, I do not smoke, which can get confused a bit. But if if it's true for, for you that you do not smoke, well, then you take that one. So a few of them might have a no in it. So just to watch that. Okay. Um, I did my own about... Yeah, about 20 minutes ago and um, I'd be down a bit on on, on the last time, time you did it okay yeah. alright so 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 we're ticking what we're saying yes to yeah we're counting the yeses okay yeah. off you go okay I eat at least one hot balanced meal a day now the big things there are hot and balanced okay the next one I get seven to eight hours of sleep four nights a week. The third one is, I give and receive affection regularly. The next one is, I have at least one relative within 50 miles on whom I can rely. The next one is, I exercise to the point of perspiration at least twice a week. The next one is, I do not smoke. The next one is, I drink fewer than five alcoholic drinks a week. And the next one is, I am the appropriate weight for my height. The next one is, I have an income adequate to meet my basic expenses. The next one is, I get strength from my spiritual beliefs. And the next one, 
I regularly attend club or social activities. Now, obviously, that would be a wonder. A lot of people might have been ticking before and maybe can't tick now, but anyway. Um, okay. The next one is, I have a network of friends and acquaintances. The next one is, I have one or more friends to confide in about personal matters. The next one is, I can speak openly about my feelings when I am angry or worried. The next one is, I have conversations with the people I live with about domestic problems like chores, money, daily living issues. And the next one is, I do something for fun at least once a week. The next one is, I am able to organize my time effectively. The second last one is, I drink fewer than three cups of tea, coffee or cola per day. And the last one is, I take quiet time for myself during each day. And there's 19 on that list, 19. isn't it? 19 on, on that list. Yeah, I, I think I'm certainly down. Yeah. Because uh, I'm already seeing some of the ones like, you know, you're right, I attend the regular club and social activities. Obviously, we don't and I don't anymore. Even the, I have the network of friends and acquaintances and I would have a, have a great network of friends and acquaintances, but I don't see them as much. I don't yeah. interact with them as much. And sometimes it's my own fault. You know, I, yeah. I think we find, particularly when we came out of the stricter lockdown, we have to make time to do these things. Absolutely. Absolutely. If we can at all. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I'd be down too. I, um, if I remember now in 2019, um, I, I would have been around uh, 14, 15 if I'm not too far out, you were around the same. You I were was, too? yeah. I think yeah. I was around the 15 mark because I can already, I already know the ones I would have said no to. Yeah. The, the, you know, the, 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 the tea and the coffee ones was definitely a no for me. The sleep ones always kind of an issue for me. So I already knew the ones I was saying no to. But I'm, I'm certainly well down. I'm down about 12. I'm exactly 12. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's worrisome. Yeah, yeah. But then thinking about when, even when I was saying, I couldn't put a tick on some of them, I was saying, I can do something about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? I, I certainly do. I mean, I'd be looking at, um, I'd be looking at two of them now that with, um, uh, no, um, I, I, I have an out, I have an excuse. Um, I, I have quite a, a bad, baddish uh, back problem at the moment. Um, uh, um, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm seeing the medical people. Yeah, so therefore it. you can't exercise to the point no, of perspiration. No, so you can't no. do anything about and that. And therefore one. I am not the appropriate weight for my height. Yeah. And definitely you hear people joking about, what is it, the COVID stone? The, yeah, the, well, yeah, the Corona stone. Whether it is half a stone or what, but um, yeah. Um, but again, for other now, obviously you can't you can't exercise with the back issue. But for others who have put on weight and people know that they've put on weight, we all did a bit of comfort eating. Yeah. There was all the panic buying of food. Should we ended up with too much food? Then it had to be eaten. You couldn't yeah. waste it. We can do something about that as well. Well, that's what I meant while ago. Now, when I said I can see two of them, that um, that would be possibilities of lifting the twelve to fourteen. But I mean. 
I do I do have my legitimate excuse at the moment in that I'm cropped, so um, I just can't do the exercise one. Um, I was never wonderful at it, but, uh, and the other one is, um, if I could do that, well then, the appropriate weight for my height would probably, would almost certainly follow. Dare I say, reduce the calories? Well, for sure. <laughs> for sure. Oh, yeah. And the nice baking that goes on in the house. Pull out, get, get rid of it. Uh, the what? The nice baking that goes on in the house. Or, oh, will you, you know? stop? Um, no, when when the coffee cake gets made, um, you'd you'd want to be um, uh, really into self-discipline big time to resist it. I know, I know. Yeah. And then, yeah. you know, something we have to be gentle and we have to be kind to ourselves as well. Well, there is that. There's a lot of stress going. Now, I wouldn't for one moment be recommending comfort eating. But, um, you know, it's, it, 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 these are strange, strange times. Like, And um, uh, some of us are finding it um, an awful lot more difficult uh, than others. There's no doubt about that. Um you know, we we would have uh, one lad now uh, living in the city. Well, we have three, but we would have one lad living in the city where kind of like uh, he, he would have been doing a, a nice bit of work in UCC and, um, and that's closed. So basically you're talking about going for a daily walk, going downtown, doing a bit of shopping, but um, bottom line... Um, you know, nothing happening um, job-wise, or at least nothing happening job-wise that would pay. Um, you know, one can be doing a lot of research and all that, and, and that's a very noble thing, and the same guy would be very into that. But no no, no money coming in. And, yeah. you know, um, uh, I mean, finances do matter, and they matter big time. Um and uh, a lot of people are, um, uh, you know, are suffering uh, financially. They, they, they're very aware that the coffers are not um, growing in, in any way. I heard uh, on C103 now earlier this morning about some publicans. Um, now, I'm not either for or against pubs opening. I, I wouldn't get into that at all. But um, where... Um, uh, people left staff go. Uh, sorry, sorry. Where people took back on staff that they had let go. So therefore, they were no longer entitled to the um, pandemic payment. And then, if the pubs are told once again, you can't open, whether we agree or disagree with that is another thing. But the people who came off the uh, the payment... You know, there's so much old farm filling now and um and that's, phone well, that's the one thing on the pubs is the limbo, Joe. It has to be clearly decided one way or the other. It needs for to the be. publicans and for all of the workers. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Okay, Liston wants to know, Margaret says, if I, if I call the station, can I get a list of the stress tests that, yes. uh, and I have, I actually have a copy of it. Yes. Uh, here's a, actually, Margaret, the easiest thing is probably send in a stamp stress envelope and we'll get it back out in the post uh, to yes. you because we don't have the backup staff in the office anymore doing those jobs. So if you get in a stamp stress envelope, we'll, we'll certainly uh, get it out to you. Yes. Okay, listen, Joe, you look after yourself and we'll talk again. And next, the same. And we all just need to work on our own stress levels. I think that's our message yes. uh, to everybody today. 
today. Yeah, okay. Yeah, if we could only bring it up one. Yeah, that's yeah. it. That's it. Yeah. Okay, have a stress-free week and yeah. uh, look after yourself. Bye-bye. That is Joe Heffernan and Joe, of course, runs a counselling practice in Bohabui, 029-76617. And just a quick couple of comments in from people. Somebody is wondering if Imelda's daughter needs a child's wheelchair to keep the weight off the foot because this listener has one and she will be more than more than welcome to us. People are just being so, so kind. Thank you for that. We'll see if that's of any use to Imelda. And then on Lucy, who is worried about her partner's little girl coming over to the house. Partner's little girl will be having a birthday party at mom's house. No social distancing going on. And Lucy is worried about that little girl and what you know, she didn't say bring in COVID-19, but we, we know what she was intimating uh, about and wondering should she say something to the partner. Here's a, a nice piece of advice from a listener. To say, the advice for Lucy. Make the child's visit very special. Special. Have a new birthday outfit for her and maybe offer to wash her hair and do a fancy hairdo for her. That might make a little without making it too obvious what you're doing in case you think she might in some way have COVID-19 on her. The main thing is is for the child and the dad to have a very, very special evening and that's what a number of people are saying as well that Lucy has to think of the child first and her partner who desperately wants to see his little girl on the night of her birthday. And we have a couple of people on saying they've been in various restaurants and hotel bars etc where staff are not wearing masks. I think, and I'll have to get it double checked, but I think according to the guidelines the staff don't have to wear it. I think it's a recommendation but they don't have to wear it because it does, you are right, I've been in some restaurants where the staff are wearing face masks but I've been in other restaurants uh, where they're not and they're all abiding by the guidelines that are set out so uh, it must be an optional one uh, for people. Uh, that's where we leave it for today. My thanks to John Paul and to Sadie for taking your calls today. We're back with you tomorrow at 10. Nick is next. Until tomorrow, I'm Tricia. Good afternoon. Make C103 You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mother's Day is just around the corner, and it's time to pamper the special moms in your life. In what better way than with Osea's limited edition skincare sets, featuring clean, vegan, cruelty-free products that are safe for your skin and the planet. Osea is a women-founded, women-led brand that's been making seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. This Mother's Day, Osea has two limited edition sets, perfect for gifting or keeping for yourself. Their Golden Glow Body Set includes three clinically proven bestsellers for silky, smooth, glowing skin, while the Glow and Go Facial Set has everything she needs to achieve spa-level results at home. They're so beautiful, you can skip the wrapping. For a limited time, you can save up to $48 on Osea's sets, plus get free shipping. That's Mother's Day made easy. Pamper the moms in your life and get 10% off your first order site-wide with code MOM at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com, code MOM.